Welcome, folks. This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you are listening to episode 70 of the Catholic Foodie. Welcome. Welcome to the show. That's right. This is the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm so glad that you're here. We've got uh, a lot of good stuff on the show today, and and some bad stuff, too. We're going to talk about that oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, which is so, so unfortunate. Uh, But we'll talk about that and how it's going to affect the economy here in Louisiana and also the seafood. Of course, you know, Louisiana is known for its seafood, right? we got the Gulf of Mexico there. We are surrounded by water, water all throughout uh, the state, the lower part of the state. So this is a big deal for us. We're going to talk about that, but we got some good stuff on the show today, too. So stick around. The Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Well, we do have some good stuff on the show. Matter of fact, I wanted to tell you what, what went on this past uh, Thursday night. Uh, you notice that Char is not with me today. She's at a birthday party with the kids, and uh, they're having a rocking good time. That's uh, that's awesome for them. Uh, we went. We actually we had a party yesterday too, and I was with them for that one. If you remember, a week or so, I guess about a week ago, uh, our kids were in a play, uh, the Stuart Little musical and uh, my kids are big actors they love it uh they spend uh, they do drama classes but they also spent all this extra time uh with play practice and that's why the week before the opening of the play you know char and i had a number of dates and we talked about that last episode and we were able to do it because from five to eight uh every night that week the kids were at play practice so (laughs) it gave us some free time very excited about that uh, it's rare for us, so we can't wait till they get into another play. <laughs> um, but uh, yesterday they had the cast party for Stuart Little, and it was at uh, one of the young girls' their, um, her house. Her parents hosted it, and the kids went swimming, and we had food, and it was just a good time. And it's been so busy lately, especially as we get to the end of the school year for me, uh, and of course trying to get my own. Uh, my business kind of off the ground here with uh, Mac and Media. It's just been an extremely busy week, and it was so nice yesterday to chill out, have a couple of beers, uh, Newcastle Brown Ale, sit out by the pool, and just watch the kids play. It was nice. It was very nice. So uh, that's why I'm not at the birthday party today. I went yesterday and uh, kind of figured that it was important for me to do the show, A, and B, I do have confirmation class this evening, so I would have to leave the party early anyway. So that's the story. That's why Char is not here. Uh, But I do want to tell you about something that did happen this past week, and that was Thursday evening. It's something that is uh, known here uh, in in Covington, Louisiana, as Rocking the Rails. They have uh, railroad tracks. Uh, Railroad tracks run through the city. They don't use them anymore. Uh, But what they did is they took um, uh, some of that that space and they made a trail and the trail really it goes from uh, uh, Covington all the way down to the uh, to the lakefront and even further and it's just it's amazing they have a lot of bikers that use that people go walking but a lot of bikers use it to uh, to ride and basically you're going from city to city so it's amazing how they have set this up it's very long I don't know how many miles but it is long and uh, at the at the at different points, they have what they call trailheads, and we have a trailhead there in uh, in Covington, here in Covington. And every Thursday night, at least for the last uh, month, I think, I think it's been about a month, they had a sunset concert. It was so nice. These different bands, I think almost every band that they had come out uh, were were from New Orleans, and so really good uh, good music, really good music. And uh, just a, a, so nice. The weather's been so mild, and you're outside at the trailhead, and everybody's bringing their lawn chairs out, and you've got uh, the, the band playing, uh, the sun going down. It's cool. It's not hot or humid. It's just really nice. And they're selling beer and wine, and they got that, they've got some snacks too. And people just having a good time, just relaxing and listening to music. It's not... It's not like real, uh, what do you call it, like headbanging music, you know what I'm saying? It's not 
just uh, loud and obnoxious kind of music. This is this is good. A lot of you know classic rock songs and 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 other classic songs from the seventies, eighties, nineties. You know, and and also the I mean the, the a lot of the bands they they have their own music, right? They wrote their own songs. They, they do their own music. Every once in a while, they throw in something from somebody that you recognize from from the past, but. A lot of it's just their own stuff. Uh, matter of fact, this past Thursday, it was Paula and the Pontiacs. They played, and they left uh, Thursday, went back down to New Orleans, you know, Thursday night, and they were playing at Jazz Fest this weekend. So Jazz Fest is huge, just unbelievably huge. I wish that the Catholic Foodie had planned ahead and uh, and was down there this weekend to interview the people who are preparing the food and also possibly getting to talk to some of the uh, musicians. But that did not happen this year. I have to think about that and plan ahead next year. Anyway, so uh, it was very nice to uh, to meet Paula and to listen to her wonderful music. Uh, she's got a very classic rock kind of sound to her. A lot of fun. It's just fun music. Uh, but very good. She plays the saxophone. <laughs> And, I mean, she's the singer, you know, she's the lead singer, but she plays the saxophone and the harmonica. And it's just, uh, it was cool. It was very cool. We we had a good time. Matter of fact, we had such a good time that we thought, you know what? There's a sushi restaurant right around the, the corner here. Why don't we go eat some sushi? Because that is, of course, Char's favorite food. It's Christopher's favorite food. It is way up there on the list for me, probably right behind pizza. See, it's, it's hard to knock pizza down from the number one spot in my book but it's right up there and uh, we just had uh some delicious delicious sushi sushi it was uh it was a, a real treat for us so that was thursday night rocking the rails and then going out and having sushi it was so good um anyway that that uh that comment there sushi is going to lead us into our first segment today which we're going to get the the bad stuff i think over and get it out of the way first we're going to talk about this oil spill Well, that's right. Run into New Orleans. You got a lot of people from all over the place running to New Orleans right now. Uh, why? Because of the oil spill. I don't know if you have uh, heard of that. I'm sure. I'm sure you have. Most people have heard by now of this catastrophe of an oil rig out in the Gulf of Mexico that uh, that exploded, sunk, and as a result, uh, some of the uh, the the, the uh, openings that they had down there on the on the, the I don't even know what you call it. <laughs> I'm forgetting what to say. It's uh, you know the the bottom uh, surface of the uh, of the Gulf there, where they have actual the holes drilled into the ground. Uh, uh, they broke, right? They're broken, and and oil is leaking out at an unbelievable rate um, down in the Gulf, and and just oil everywhere it's unbelievable it really is and it's uh it's worse than the valdez or valdez how do they pronounce it i always want to say valdez because of uh you know hablo espanol un poco uh so speaking spanish you know i want to say valdez but i think someone called it the other day the valdez i don't remember how they pronounced it but if you remember that that was a terrible terrible uh oil spill um an oil rig that goes down and we've got all this oil in the Gulf. You talk about a tremendous impact on the economy in Louisiana, and it's also threatening other states as well. Matter of fact, I do have a clip I'm going to play right now. This is from, let me see who this is from. If I can pull it up real quick. This is from ABC News, I believe. Uh, Take a listen to what's going on with the oil spill. 
Guard says it is impossible to know how much oil has spewed out of a ruptured well off the Louisiana coast, but they say one thing's certain. There is a lot of oil in the water, and it could spell disaster for thousands in the region who make their living from the ocean. Terrell Brown tells us more. As the massive oil spill inches closer to the Gulf Coast, fishermen and shrimpers are scrambling. Oh, hey, get what you can get right now while you got a chance. Henry Hess has been shrimping for 40 years. He's worried the oil could wipe out his only source of income. This is what all I know. This is what I do. I can't do nothing else. President Obama will get a first-hand look Sunday at the spill that appears to have tripled in size in the past two days. The operator of the damaged well, British Petroleum, is responsible for stopping the leak and cleaning up the oil. The company is coming under fire for not making more progress. This incident may be overwhelming the capabilities of BP to respond to this disaster. Efforts to contain the oil are being hampered by this strong south-southeasterly breeze. These boats stayed in port on Saturday because of rough seas and rain is in the forecast on Sunday. The choppy waters have been ripping apart the protective booms spread across the water. In some areas, they're being washed ashore. Having a problem being able to contain the oil because it's way too rough. It's either going over it or it's going under it. And while no one knows which way the oil will drift, there's concern the spill could get caught in the Gulf Stream and potentially head for Florida beaches. One expert says it's more a question of when rather than if the oil will hit the coast of Florida. Very sad. Very, very sad. Uh, we had... Mass this morning, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I slept in <laughs> till about 9.45 this morning. Now, of course, I didn't go to bed till about 1.30, so I, I have not caught up on the news. We went to Mass, got ready to go to, uh, to, go to Mass this morning. Of course, it takes a little while to get the kids ready. Uh, we went ahead, went to Mass, and uh, came back and had to take care of a few things here for, uh, for work, and then started doing show prep, and I have not caught up on the latest news today. Uh, but that gives you a, uh, a synopsis there of what's going on in the Gulf of Mexico right now and how it is impacting uh, us here in Louisiana. Now, it's important to note, uh, if you haven't looked at the geography of Louisiana, I mean, you've got, we've got water everywhere, everywhere. It, it, I mean, it's amazing. They call this uh, state the sportsman's paradise because you can go fishing pretty much anywhere. You can go hunting pretty much anywhere. Uh, if you look at, uh, at at a map of Louisiana down toward the coast, it is just a series of uh, tributaries of sorts. You've got rivers, you've got streams, you've got marshes, you've got bayous. You've got all of that all down uh, down there by the Gulf, and that water from the Gulf just comes right in. Matter of fact, in New Orleans, you've got uh, right, right between the, what we call the South Shore and the North Shore. I live on the North Shore of Lake Pontchartrain, right, Lake Pontchartrain. And that is where we have the Causeway Bridge, which is a 24-mile-long bridge. It's supposedly the largest bridge in the world, or at least it was up until recently. Uh, anyway, uh, Lake Pontchartrain, there is a connection through the spillway between Lake Pontchartrain and the Gulf of Mexico, the Mississippi River. I think it was the Mississippi. Was it Mississippi? Anyway, into the, uh, into the, uh, the spillway, the Gulf of Mexico, we get, even though it's a freshwater lake, we get saltwater in there. We get saltwater fish into the lake because of the, the overflow. Um, you know, we have uh, the, the Mississippi River, the mouth of the river, of course, flows out into the Gulf of Mexico, but it, it, it flows out. But you know what? Depending on the weather, depending on the wind, depending on the currents, whatever it may be going on in the Gulf at the time, a lot of times you get salt water, Gulf water being pushed up into uh, into the river, going up as far as um, uh, in you know past New Orleans. Matter of fact, I know I've got friends who have been down at the river in downtown area of New Orleans uh, who have said that they've seen sharks before down there. Uh, because you've got salt water coming into the river. Very interesting, very interesting. And that's one of the reasons why it's so dangerous for us is because we have all this water. It's a sportsman's paradise. You've got all these shrimpers. You've got these professional fishermen. That's what they do. is how they make a living. And, of course, they have to they, they get the, the, the shrimp, the seafood, the crabs, the, the oysters. Oh, my goodness, the oysters from the oyster beds. And uh, all the fish, and they sell it, right? That's how they make their money. They sell it. And who buys it? We do. Uh, the, the, the seafood is just, that's what we eat down here. And, I mean, of course, it's, it's shipped out to other places as well. But we eat lots of seafood 
in, in Louisiana. And so this is going to impact us quite, uh, quite a bit. There's also a fear, of course, with the winds and the currents of, of uh, the oil going as far as the Florida coast, which is personally going to impact, uh, potentially impact Char and I and, and her family. Uh, because I, I think you may remember from uh, a, a while back, maybe even a year ago last summer, I uh, mentioned to you that her parents have a condo there in Perdido Key, Florida, which is uh, right across the state line from Alabama and Florida, right there on the uh, on the coast. And we get to go down there, I don't know, two, three, maybe four times a year. We get to go spend like a week. It's just really, really nice. And, you know, if the oil hits over that way, well, guess what? I mean, it's going to affect tourism. First of all, who wants to go to the beach and not be able to go in the water because of all the oil? Or, you know, the beaches are going to be nasty because all the oil is 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 coming up onto the beaches. Uh, so it's going to impact tourism. It's going to impact uh, the, the economy as far as uh, fishing goes. And I say fishing in the greater sense of, you know, shrimping as well and also the oysters and all that. The, the seafood industry is going to hurt. Uh, I still can't wrap my brain around how big this thing is, but I do want to mention on the show today because, you know, it's impacting us, uh, ec- um, environmentally, but also economically. And, uh, from my perspective as a Catholic foodie, it's going to be impacting us culinarily, <laughs> if that's even a word, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, bringing that up, interestingly enough, bringing that up, this past Friday, I had the pleasure of being on the radio. There's a new Catholic radio station in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is where I'm originally from. And uh, Baton Rouge is about an hour away from where we live right now. And it's called Baton Rouge Catholic Radio or Baton Rouge Catholic Community Radio, I believe is the, the official title. It is 1380 WPR. No, P-Y-R, W-P-Y-R, 1380 AM, and it was really, really fun. It was really fun. There's a morning show. goes from 7 to 8 Central Time. You can, by the way, you can find this online. Uh, They do have a website, uh, which is brcatholicradio.com, also a Facebook page, and there's a link there to where you can listen to the show live. Uh, so the morning show there, and uh, uh, there's a uh, Deacon Jody and uh, David Dawson are the two hosts of the show, and they invited me to come on on Friday since you know Friday is is the beginning of the weekend, and and they want to do something that kind of light and fun to kick off the weekend. Asked me to come on and talk about food, food and faith. So uh, we had a discussion on Friday about uh, the oil, of course. But it also naturally led into talking about seafood and a couple of seafood recipes. And we, you know, I, I gave him my recipe for barbecue shrimp, and that's the the um, the New Orleans style barbecue shrimp. Okay, I'm sure people can barbecue shrimp in many different ways. Matter of fact, I remember going to Outback Restaurant a number of years ago, and there, you know, it's an Australian uh, type restaurant, and having barbecue shrimp there, shrimp on the barbie, they called it. And it was nothing like the the barbecue shrimp we have here. Um, theirs is actually done on a grill uh, instead of in a in a pan the way we do it with a lot of butter and a lot of um, you know lemon juice and and uh, it just really ooh really good. But the way we do it in New Orleans, when those things come out, it is messy to eat. You talk about messy, but there's this. I guess you would call it an aju, which is just ah oh, you 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 can't eat barbecue shrimp without. Uh, without French bread, you have to have something to sop up the the the, the juice in the in the pan or in, on your plate. I mean, this is good stuff. So we talked about barbecue shrimp. I gave him my recipe, and it made me hungry. It was seven thirty in the morning, but I wanted some shrimp really bad. <laughs> uh, so we talked about that. It was just it was a lot of fun, and uh, the 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 result of that, I believe. And I still need to talk to uh, to David about this. But as far as I uh, I understand, I will be kind of invited back uh, on on Fridays for the foreseeable future at least to uh, to join them on on the show and talk about food and faith. So I'm very excited about that. I think that's a great thing. And they, it, it is great to be a part of something that is happening is new in Baton Rouge and it's 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 attracting a lot of listeners and it's providing a service in the area that Baton Rouge just didn't have. You know, we got Catholic radio now in Baton Rouge. I think that's exciting. I'm so happy 
to be a part of it. And I wanted to let you know in case you wanted to check out uh, 1380 AM WPYR in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, brcatholicradio.com. is the 2nd of May, which means in just a couple of days, just a couple of days, what's coming up? We've got the Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo is the 5th of May. And, uh, you know, the Cinco de Mayo is an interesting uh, celebration when you think about it. Uh, it it's, it's a Mexican feast. It's a Mexican celebration. However, it's not really celebrated everywhere in Mexico. Isn't that strange? Uh, and let's see if we can figure out why. You know, it's primarily celebrated in the United States. And <laughs> why is that? Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing with uh, the feast day of uh, St. Patrick. You know, St. Patrick is Irish. And uh, in Ireland, they don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day in any way similar to the way we do here in the United States. I mean, you go on on St. Patrick's Day and of course the big thing with St. Patrick's Day here in the states I know especially in New Orleans you've got uh, we've got a we got parades it's kind of like a miniature Mardi Gras right we got parades we've got uh, lots of bars that are open and restaurants and they're serving green beer they take beer and 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 put some kind of food coloring in it I guess and the beer's green and and everybody's wearing green and you know, it's it's a very cultural thing, but has nothing to do with the saint himself. It's just, I don't, I can't figure it out. Other than the fact that you know, we pretty much uh, will use any excuse to to have a party. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, but this is a, a the Cinco de Mayo is basically celebrated uh, mainly in the United States, and a lot of people. I think, have the idea that it's the Mexican Independence Day, much like our July 4th. But it really isn't. Uh, that, that, the Independence Day of Mexico is really the, uh, the 16th of September. Uh, this is something completely different. And it's, it's, in Mexico itself, it is celebrated in the, uh, in the state of Puebla, which is a little further south in Mexico. Uh, and it commemorates the Mexican Army's unlikely victory over French forces at the Battle of Puebla, and this was in, uh, in let's see, 1862, I believe. So May 5th, 1862, uh, the Mexicans in Puebla were able to overthrow uh, the, um, the French forces, and that is why we celebrate this. Now, the interesting thing is, I don't know if it's really, it's, it's kind of like the 4th of July. I mean, how, how often, when we celebrate the 4th of July, how often do you think about the Revolutionary War. <laughs> I mean, I, I really don't. I think about, you know, 4th of July, hot dogs and apple pie. I mean, it's, 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 it's a celebration. It's a, a fireworks, of course. I think about fireworks. I, I think about swimming because it's, it's July 4th. It's hot and humid in Louisiana. And guess what? It, it's wonderful to go and, and to be in a swimming pool with all the heat that's going on. So, uh, I think about swimming. I think about hot dogs and hamburgers and barbecues and you know all the stuff that you would. I don't know. I, I just all the stuff that we see down here. I don't really think about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and all these people who were really the fathers, the founding fathers of the country. I don't think about that. I don't think about 1776. So I think in a lot of ways Cinco de Mayo is, is similar. People don't really think about what happened in 1862. They think about, hey, this is time for a party. Woohoo! I love it. And, uh, you know, uh, some of this, it, it's not like a, an obligatory federal holiday in Puebla. And it's, it's, uh, it's just not something that's nationwide in Mexico. It's mainly 
in Puebla itself, the state of Puebla, and then in, in the United States. But you know what I thought? I thought since we do celebrate this in the U.S., um, it's a wonderful excuse to eat Mexican food. Don't you think? <laughs> I love Mexican food. Um, I love authentic Mexican food. And I hate to break this to you, but Taco Bell does not qualify. Most of the fast food uh, restaurants that you go to do not qualify for what we call real, authentic Mexican food. Matter of fact, there was only, or there is only, I need to rephrase that. To my knowledge, to my knowledge, there's only one restaurant, Mexican restaurant, that I have eaten at in the southern Louisiana area. I think that's right. Yeah. That serves what I would call authentic Mexican food. Now, you got to remember, I lived in Mexico for two years, so I think I'm a pretty good judge as to what's authentic, okay? And uh, Superior Grill, uh, which had a location in uh, New Orleans and also in Baton Rouge, uh, served authentic Mexican food. Uh, and I loved it. It was really good. The chips are good. The sauce is good. They do have that. Uh, but the, 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 what's on the menu is authentic. Now, they do have, I have to say, they do have a couple other restaurants that uh, now on the North Shore uh, that, that are, are authentic. And they're pretty much authentic. And I, I have enjoyed dining there. But what my, my absolute favorite, my absolute favorite was is uh, in, no, it's in Houston, in Houston, right outside of Houston. It's the original, now I'm going to forget the name of it. Uh, what's the name of it? Golly, I can't believe this. I want to say Mamacitas, but it's not. It's, uh, oh, goodness, I completely forgot the name. Isn't that terrible? <laughs> Well, I will put it in the show notes. How about that? If you're interested in this mystery restaurant that is by far the most authentic Mexican restaurant I've ever been to, if you're curious as to which one I'm thinking of and can't remember, you can check out the show notes at catholicfoodie.com and you will uh, you will find a link there to this restaurant. It, it is the first. It became a chain, but this was the original restaurant started by a family, a Catholic family nonetheless. Uh, extremely authentic. You've got uh, ladies, uh, like older ladies, and this is not to be, uh, I'm not making judgments or, or gender or race or anything else. It's just, it's just a fact, okay? It's a fact they're usually a little older women uh, who, who are Mexican, believe it or not, in this Mexican restaurant who are making the tortillas by hand, just like I used to see it done when I was living in Mexico. So they make those tortillas by by hand. Awesome. And I mean, the food and what they have on the menu is just so authentic. You know, tamales. I'm going to give you the example of tamales. If you grow up here in Louisiana and uh, you go down to a restaurant in New Orleans and order tamales, what you are going to get is, first of all, it's going to be delicious. Okay. It's going to be good, but it is not going to be the same thing you would get if you went to a Mexican restaurant, an authentic Mexican restaurant, and ordered tamales. Two different things altogether. Basic, same concept, right? Same concept, very different in the way that they are presented, in the way that they're prepared, in the way that they are um, eaten. You know, tamales in Mexico, when I was there, I had never had a tamale like this in my life when I was in Mexico. They, they made them, they kind of like, um, you know, they roll them in corn husks. And what they do is, first of all, you take the corn husks. They have to be they, they soak the corn husks so they're they're kind of pliable. They're easy to work with. And then they're gonna they take like a, a corn meal. They make a corn meal, and they they lay a, a layer up. They kind of pat or spread a layer of the corn meal out across the uh, the, uh, the 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 husk. And then they'll take some sort of a filler, and it could be uh, pulled pork. Uh, it could be some kind of beef. It could be, uh, it could be fish. It could be, you know, pretty much anything. Matter of fact, they even make dessert um, uh, tamales, like with with some sort of um, cinnamon and and other things, maybe fruits or whatever inside the uh, the tamale. So they make different things, right? And what they do then is they roll up the corn husk around the the corn meal, which contains the filling. 
And they take all that, and they, in Mexico at least, they would stand them on end and line all of them up standing on end uh, in a big uh, pot. And it's not just a regular pot. It was a tamale pot. And what they're basically doing is steaming these things. You know, when they, when they uh, actually fill it with meat, the meat's already cooked. They're filling it with cooked meat, and then they steam these tamales. So when they come out, you've got a, uh, a corn husk. You just kind of peel that back. You've got this cornmeal. Uh, I don't want to call it a shell. It's not. It's, a, um, it's a, almost like a wrap, right? It's, it's, it's kind of wrapped around the filling, um, and it's pretty solid. And you can pick it up with your hand and just eat it just like, you know, like that. You don't have to worry about it breaking. You don't have to worry about anything like that. It's not messy because it's just it's, it's this corn husk or corn meal uh, wrapper basically around, around the filling. It's not messy. Now, contrast that with New Orleans-style tamales. Um, they're, they're, are there corn husks? They're, they can be. There can be. And sometimes they use just these kind of some, some, some sort of paper wrappers uh, instead of the corn husk. Is there cornmeal? Yes, there's cornmeal. Um, not as much. Not as much as what you see with the Mexican tamales. And then they have the meat. Is the meat cooked before they put it in? No. And they, they make these things. They kind of wrap them up. And a lot of times in New Orleans, you're going to get ground beef is going to be the, the meat inside. And you have this ground beef. And the way that they make it is in a, it's very spicy. And it's in a sauce. And I, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know exactly how they make the sauce. I do know that some of the fat in the meat goes into the sauce, and it's really why the sauce is so good. <laughs> but it's it's a very kind of a, a, a an orange-ish type sauce. And it's, it's fatty, but it's really, really good. Very spicy, really good. So when you get a, a New Orleans-style tamale, you're going to get, a, I don't know, a few of those, two, three, four of those on a plate – and uh, you would unroll them, and that's that's it. You're gonna have to eat these things with a fork because you can't pick them up. They're swimming in sauce, and uh, there's not enough cornmeal there to to make a, a wrapper around the filling. It's mainly filling with a little bit of cornmeal kind of thrown in, and because it's been cooked in a liquid, it's not. Uh, it, it it doesn't have the the strength or the um, I, I, the firmness, I guess, of the cornmeal you have with the Mexican tamale. So it's completely different. Completely different. So anyway, very good. Very good stuff, though. So you have this contrast here, these two different kinds of tamales. And if you ask me, which one is your favorite, Jeff? I'd have to say, well, that depends on what kind of mood I'm in. <laughs> I love New Orleans-style tamales. They're they're fantastic. They're spicy. Uh, uh, sometimes when you have them out, they're, they're oversalted though it, with a lot of food, a lot of foods like that, oversalted. Um, but the Mexican tamales, when they're made right and you're at, a, at an authentic restaurant, Mexican restaurant in the United States, very good. So I guess it just depends on what kind of mood I'm in. But if you have not yet tried either one of those, you need to, at least sometimes in your life, you need to try what these things are good. And what I'll do is I'm going to put up a recipe on uh, on the website, on catholicfoodie.com, in the show notes for the New Orleans-style tamales and also what I told you before uh, about the, the barbecue shrimp. I'm going to put those uh, that, that recipe there at catholicfoodie.com as well. So be sure to check those out, and whenever you're feeling adventurous and, and, and you kind of want something exciting and lively, something that's going to just pop in your mouth because it's so good, you can try those recipes. Here. We've got something else happening in the very, uh, very, very soon. Matter of fact, it's next Sunday. I'll give you one guess as to what's coming up.
Did, did do you know what's coming up? Did 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 you guess? <laughs> it's Mother's Day. Come on, isn't that great? Mother's Day. It's really great if you're a mother, but guess what? It's great if you're not a mother. It's great if you have a mother. It's great if you are married to a mother. Uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. And it's good. It's a time for us to, to, to celebrate our moms. It's a time to make them feel special. And believe me, making mom feel special goes a long way. Uh, very important. There's a saying that we have down here, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And uh, I can tell you from my own experience that that is uh, 100% true. If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So we are all about making mama happy. Matter of fact, when I'm correcting my kids sometimes, or actually most of the time, I always refer it back to mom. I'm like, you know what? Your mama's already upset. If she sees you doing this, Oh, you better watch out. We got to keep mama happy. <laughs> so, uh, so we look forward. We look forward to, um, to Mother's Day down here in Louisiana. And uh, I'm excited. We, I've got a few things planned out for Char. Um, I can't tell you what they are because <laughs> she's liable to listen to this episode before, uh, before Mother's Day. So I <laughs> just... Just can't I can't quite tell you that I can't quite tell you, but you know we'll we'll kind of recap a few things for you uh, the in the episode following that. And come to think of it, since Mother's Day is next Sunday, I wonder what we're going to do about uh, broadcasting a show. I'll have to talk to her. Maybe we can do it on Saturday. Maybe she'll just want to do it on Sunday. You never know. Uh, but we'll let you know that that's that's for sure. We'll let you know. Uh, so anyway, another mom that I think about when I think about Mother's Day is our Heavenly Mother, Mary, our Heavenly Mother. She is our mother for for true, for certain, right, for real. Jesus gave her to us as our mother, and he presented us to her as her sons and daughters. So we have a very special relationship, especially as Catholics, a very special, special relationship with Mary, who is the mother of God and our mother, too. And uh, I can't help but think about Mary as we approach Mother's Day. And what I would like to do for her is maybe pray a few extra rosaries uh, for her intentions. And I tell you, that's, that's something that uh, I never thought about doing before, but I read in a book to, to offer your prayers of the rosary for her intentions, whatever it is that she knows uh, whatever situations, whoever, whatever people she knows needs prayers the most, that she she can take the value, right, the merit of your prayers and use them however she wants, however she wants. So that's that's something that I think about. Um, I'm amazed whenever I think of doing that to to offer the prayers just just for her intentions. How much she ends up taking care of me. Isn't that isn't that neat? It's like you you give your intentions, you give the value of those prayers, the merits of those prayers over to her, trusting that she's going to take care of you, and it's, it's sort of a selfless act. So you 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 hand that over to her, and you're praying really for other people, and yet she takes care of you. It's it's amazing. So anyway, I think I think I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna try to make her happier uh, in the next a few in the next week by praying some extra rosaries. And, by the way, I really need to do that for myself, too. (laughs) I need the extra prayer. And speaking of that, we have an excellent, excellent Mary in the Kitchen segment this week. Very excited to share this with you. It's Sarah Reinhardt, and she is speaking from the heart, and she's saying things that are very much in line with what's been on my mind and in my heart lately. So let's take a listen to Sarah Reinhardt, and her Mary in the Kitchen segment. Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ray. And, and this is, is Mary in the, the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. <laughs> I have been collecting inspirational bits and pieces since, well, I don't remember, to be honest. It started before high school, I know that, but I don't remember the point in time when I started ferreting things away that made me smile, made me think, or made me feel like there was hope. It might sound like hoarding to you, and I guess in some ways it is, though now it takes a cleaner shape than the bits of paper in a little box, at least most of the time. 
I have a document of Mary quotes, for example, and the person who emailed me this week must have known that. It's an excerpt from a homily by St. Bede. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. With these words, Mary first acknowledges the special gifts she has been given. Above all other saints, she alone could truly rejoice in Jesus, her Savior, for she knew that he who was the source of eternal salvation would be born in time, in her body, in one person, both her own Son and her Lord. For the Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Mary attributes nothing to her own merits. She refers all her greatness to the gift of one whose essence is power and whose nature is greatness. For he filled with greatness and strength the small and the weak who believe in him. She did well to add, and holy is his name, to warn those who heard, and indeed, Paul, who would receive his words, that they must believe and call upon his name, for they too could share in everlasting holiness and true salvation according to the words of the prophet. And it will come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the name she spoke of earlier when she said, And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Don't feel badly if you're reeling after hearing all that. I'm going to include this on my blog, and Jeff will have a link in the show notes. I had to read this a few times before it really sunk in with me. But what I got out of that was that Mary always, always points us back to God. Maybe that's what attracts me so much to her. So many of the people I've known myself included, have a hidden agenda, some sort of angle for themselves. Selfishness is an expectation in life, after all, isn't it? In all the little inspirational tidbits I find myself saving, there seems to be a common theme lately, that of Mary's humility, and of my own need to grow in that virtue. Remember a while back when I invited you to join me in preparation for total consecration? I know some of you did. And I have to tell you, I think I failed. I didn't set out to fail. I didn't even mean to fail. I did, after all, say the prayers every single day except one. But in the end, I think I was so focused on, uh uh-oh, big old number one, me. I did it for me. I did it to gain. I was inspired by a tug, but instead of following that tug to its source, that name that Mary refers to again and again, I stopped short. And you know what? God understands. He knows that I'm not Mary. But he also knows that I can do better than I am. Each of us has been given special gifts. That includes you, dear person on the other end of this podcast. You. This week, ask Mary to lead you to an understanding of which of your gifts God wants you to share with your family, with your friends, with some stranger on the street. Ask her to lead you ever so gently, ever so humbly, straight to her son, who will hug you, failures and all. Thank you so much, Sarah, um, for, for just the wonderful message that you bring to us every week. Uh, very inspiring. And I have to admit, I mean, you, you, you're saying <laughs> you felt like you uh, really failed with the preparation for uh, the consecration. And you just have no idea. <laughs> you are like a saint, first of all. And uh, especially when I'm standing next to you, you know, <laughs> you look like the saint. Uh, I make you look like the saint because I'm so awful. 
You know, we completely failed when it came to preparing for the consecration. And, you know, we, we talked about this a few episodes back when we first started the consecration, the preparation part, at least. And uh, I had mentioned that I, I made my consecration when I was, what, 16, 17 years old. And, you know, so it's, it's you know, technically I'm, I'm consecrated. I've already made the consecration. Of course, you, you should uh, renew that on a regular basis just because we're human and we need to, to do that. But um, Char and I started out with the best of intentions. I'd even bought the the book by St. Louis de Montfort. We had I downloaded the, the 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 preparation prayers and everything from uh, you know Rosary Army from a long they did that a while back. But all the stuff is still there online. I downloaded all of that, and we did a few days. <laughs> but I tell you, you you said you did all the prayers except for one day, and we did just the opposite. We did none of the prayers except for a couple of days. Uh, just awful, just terrible. It was on our uh, to-do list. It was uh, in our hearts and on our minds. We thought about it. We talked about how we need to do it just about every day. Um, we actually, we were doing some other prayer together prior to starting the preparation. I think that was the Divine Mercy uh, Novena. And uh, we were very faithful to that. And then it was, you know what it was? It was the post-Easter, right? We had that Easter break. I was off that whole week. Lent, and for some reason, and all of Easter, we were on track. Everything was great. After I went back to school, after Easter, things just got chaotic. I don't, I don't know if it was just the spring or, or what, but just absolutely chaotic. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that, well, you know, we just we just couldn't get our act together. So we have talked about it, and we are planning on doing, uh, doing the consecration, uh, doing the preparation again. But we haven't sat down with a calendar and said, okay, we're going to start on this date and we're going to make it on this feast day. We may possibly wait and do it this summer. It may be easier for us then. And also we could actually make it on the anniversary of uh, when I made my consecration the first time, which was the Feast of Our Lady of Mount Carmel, uh, July 16th. So uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. And if we do that uh, this summer, we'll go ahead and invite you again to see if you'd like to uh, to join us in that preparation process. Well, that brings us to the end of the show, folks. Uh, we do I do have a few things I want to remind you of. Uh, first of all, if you would like to leave feedback for the Catholic Foodie, you can uh, give me a call at nine eight five six three five four nine seven four. Uh, that's just a, a basically a, an answering machine. You just call up and leave a message. No one's going to pick up and talk to you when, uh, when you call that number. Uh, but what happens is it, it allows me to record your message and, and digital format so that I can play it here on the show. So if you have a question for the Catholic foodie, something of a culinary nature, something of a, of a, of a faith, a Catholic faith nature, something of fam- dealing with family or festivals, since we're in that festival season, whatever it may be, any kind of question or comment, thought, suggestion, anything like that, Give me a call, 985-635-4974. I would love to hear from you. Uh, You can also send us an email at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And whatever you do, please don't forget to go over to catholicfoodie.com and check out the show notes. I'll have links there to recipes and to some of the other stuff that uh, we talked about or that I used on the show today. I used uh, some PodSafe music here as uh, bumpers today, and uh, you'd, you'd find that over um, – well, I'm going to leave the link in the show notes because I think they recently changed the uh, the name of this service. But it's PodSafe music for uh, for podcasting, and the link will be in the show notes. And finally, I have a promo to play for you. This is a promo for the CNMC, the Catholic New Media Celebration, which is coming up in August, August 7th, uh, in Boston this year. All of your favorite podcasters and bloggers will be there, uh, which is very exciting, very exciting. Uh, Sarah Reinhardt is going to be a, uh, a keynote speaker for the blogging uh, section uh, or blogging track, I believe they call it. So she will be there to speak, which is – I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited to – hear what she has to say. And, uh, you know, I'm really excited about going. I have no idea how we're going to make that work. <laughs> Char and I have talked about it. But what we're going to try to do is the, the two of us get away 
and go up uh, and maybe maybe leave the kids here with family and and go up and make a you know just a nice weekend out of uh, out of that. So the, say some prayers for us that we can actually pull that together. It's kind of everything's kind of up in the air as I mentioned to you uh, last couple of weeks with my transition of of trying to get Mac and Media up off the ground and and as my main career, my main source of income, things are a little, you know, un, uncertain, unsettled right now because as I transition from school to that, I don't know quite what to expect and what, what the future holds. So, you know, it, it's hard for me to say, okay, we're definitely going to be at the CNMC, but I certainly hope to be there and I certainly hope that you are going to be there. I would love to meet you. The Catholic New Media Celebration is coming to Boston, Saturday, August 7th. Registration is open now with early bird pricing till June 30th. Registration includes a day-long conference at the Pastoral Center in the Archdiocese of Boston, plus a meet-and-greet reception the night before. Join SQPN and friends for an exciting event that will not only educate you about Catholic New Media, but it will inspire you as well. Captain Jeff here, your Catholic pilot. Are you interested in learning more about blogging or podcasting or perhaps hang out with some of your friends in the SQPN community? Well, Boston's a place. Beantown. Why is it called Beantown? Hi, everyone. This is Lisa Hendy from the Catholic Moments podcast and CatholicMom.com doing a shout out to all my fellow SQPN.com groupies. Hope to see you this year at the Catholic New Media Celebration. For details, go to celebration.sqpn.com. It's not just a conference. It's a celebration. And until next time, bon appétit. SQPN. Leading the way in Catholic New Media.